Welcome to the Powers on Sports Podcast. This is episode 6 for the week of October the 15th through October the 21st. My name is Jason Powers. I'm your host. Based down here in Tampa, Florida. Beautiful night in Tampa. Very nice week so far down here in Tampa. As we head into another weekend of high school football, college football, professional football, as well as the Major League Baseball playoffs. We have the NBA kicking off this week, and we have the National Hockey League. It's getting, is in about their second or third week of play. So lots of stuff going on here in the fall. Halloween right around the corner. So hope everybody out there is getting ready for their Halloween celebrations. And tonight, again, we're going to talk a little bit tonight. We're going to talk some Major League Baseball. We're going to talk some college football. We're going to talk some, talk some NFL. If you want to send us a comment, question, some feedback about the podcast, reach out to us on Twitter at, at KickTheFB. KickTheFB is our Twitter handle. Or you can send us an email at, send me an email at, sportspowers at yahoo.com sportspowers at yahoo.com love to hear from you the listener tell us tell a friend about our podcast we're trying to get trying to get the listenership viewership up and we've had we've had a pretty good response so far in our first this is going into month number two of our podcast so we've had uh we've had some good good feedback and some good listeners, uh, viewers and listeners and all that good stuff to the podcast, but we always can use, never have enough. So tell a friend about our podcast. Again, we're trying to keep it uh, very relevant to the topics of the day in the sports world. So we're going to week to week, we're going to talk about all the doings going on in the sports world. So, um, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google play music. We're soon to be on iTunes. So check us out. I want to talk about our sponsors of the podcast quickly. The Running Center for all of your running needs, shoes, apparel, get your feet fitted for the correct pair of shoes. If you need orthotics, things like that, check out the Running Center. Mr. Bill Davison is your proprietor of the Running Center. Power Stories Theater. Power Stories is has the per- performance of Calendar Girls is in their final weekend of shows here this weekend for for the Calendar Girls. So if you want to go to powerstories.com, you can get your tickets for Friday, Saturday and Sunday, the last three performances of the show running the Calendar Girls. Five Star Athletics. If you need any apparel for your youth team, high school program, if you're a coach out there, uh, corporate business owner, you need apparel for your staff at your business, polos, hats, t-shirts, custom uniforms, if you need equipment, balls, gloves, bats, shoes, tennis shoes, cleats, socks. We've got uh, all kind of stuff for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, pink wristbands, mouthpieces, all that kind of good stuff. Check out Five Star Athletics off of Hillsborough Avenue and Anderson Road here in Tampa. Patrick Highland, our insurance quarterback. 
813-966-1052. Patrick Hyland, the insurance quarterback for all of your insurance needs. Sam Jenkins Designs. Sam was the one who Sam designed our podcast logo that you see if you're online, if you see us online. SamJenkinsDesign.com is Sam's website. So for if you have any creative needs, logos, branding, designs, all that kind of good stuff, check out SamJenkinsDesign.com. Again, I want to thank our sponsors for their support and opportunity to work with them and partner with them as part of the Powers on Sports podcast. Well, all right, let's talk. Let's get into some MLB action. Playoff mania. We're in the National League and the American League Championship Series. Some been some pretty uh, pretty good ball games as we've led into the into the AL and NLCS. We have in the NLCS we have the Dodgers holding a three games to two lead over the Milwaukee Brewers. Has been a pretty interesting series. The series started out in Milwaukee for games one and two. You have Clayton Kershaw got beat in game one. You have a very different contrast of styles here with the managers. You've got Craig Council, who's taking a more of a bullpen by committee approach as far as to navigate through these games. You know, the bullpen has been the absolute number one uh, storyline in this series, both to the good and and to the bad. The question is, can the Dodgers figure out the Milwaukee bullpen? The bullpen is being used virtually the entire game by the Brewers. In game five, the Brewers used their starter for a total of five pitches before they went to the bullpen. Wade Miley started game five, pitched five pitches, and was removed after he walked the, the leadoff batter for the Dodgers. And the plan is to bring Wade Miley back for game six back in Milwaukee, a mere two days from now. So I'm not sure what Council was doing starting Wade Miley if you're going to bring him back in game six, but he did. Brought in the bullpen with the second batter of the game. The Dodgers went on to win the game today 5-2 to two, to take a three games to two lead. Game four, if you watched game four, was, a, was an epic five-hour marathon, which didn't finish until 2.30 in the morning Eastern time, which was crazy after not starting until about 10 after 9 Eastern time, which is an absolute joke by Major League Baseball. How you start these games at 9 o'clock on the East Coast, knowing these games are going to go a minimum of of three and a half to four hours at the absolute minimum, not including any opportunity for extra innings, is is just mind-boggling. The Dodgers got a huge win in Game 4, a must-win game down two games to one in the 13th inning last night. Cody Bellinger delivered the game-winning single. Again, Craig Council being questioned mightily after the game. The Dodgers were out of position players in the 13th inning. If he, and if Council walks, first of all, he should have walked Bellinger to get to Yasmani Grandal, who's been struggling mightily in the series. Um, but he decides to pitch to Bellinger, hangs a curveball. Bellinger delivers delivers a hit to right field. Machado scores the game-winning run. Uh, again, lots of uh, lots of questioning of Craig Council. Why not walk Bellinger? If you walk Bellinger and you walk Randell, you load the bases, but the Dodgers have to hit their pitcher because they have no other position players to pinch hit. 
why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you at least walking Bellinger? See how it goes with Grandal. Pitch around him if you need to, and then go after the pitcher. But no, Council tippy toes around it, tries to be, get cute with Bellinger, hangs a curveball, and Bellinger ends the game with a hit. The other huge controversy in the game was Manny Machado. Very suspect, dirty play at first base, running through the bag, intentionally kicks the first baseman in the shin and in the calf as he's going through first base. And this is Manny's first uh, run-in with being kind of accused of playing dirty. He's had some dirty slides over the years. Earlier in the series, he used his fist to try to knock a, knock a, knock a kid, knock the shortstop uh, offline, uh, trying to turn a double play. So... Machado, who's, who's an entering, getting ready to enter free agency, is feeling a lot of, uh, you know, being labeled dirty. And I got to agree, you know, watching the play last night, just totally unnecessary, totally out of line, out of bounds. We just, again, just purposely kicked the first baseman right in the calf as he's crossing first base for no apparent reason. You know, he was clearly out. The first baseman did did you know didn't do anything on the play to, to, to warrant any kind of contact, and then you see him kind of you know make up and, and and get over it with each other in the like the tenth or eleventh inning when Machado got a hit, they kind of uh, embraced and talked it out, but still very dirty very dirty play by Machado, you know again he's not the most uh, likable guy in the world lots of uh, you know. He doesn't take running grounders out ultra seriously. Says makes the comment after the game. Well, it's not that big a deal if I if I run hard to first base. Though I will you got to give Machado a little bit of credit on the game winning run in the thirteenth inning. He led off with a single. Made a good made a good base running play on a on a pitch low in the dirt that got away from the catcher by a few feet and was adva- able to advance to second. And he did run hard and, and it had a great slide into home on the on the Bellinger hit in the 13th inning to win the game. So he's kind of a play when he wants to play kind of guy hard when it comes to playing hard. But uh, this guy's probably going to get 300 million bucks from somebody this offseason. So lots of lots of things controversy swirling around Machado as we as we, as we head back to Milwaukee for Game Six, which will be Friday night in Milwaukee. Um, sounds like Wade Miley will be starting for. Milwaukee, and I'm sure Ryu will be starting for the Dodgers. I could very much see this going to a seventh game in Milwaukee Saturday night, prime time, which would be good. Good for would be good for the sport, good for the National League, good for the city of Milwaukee. Um, I think the Dodgers will get it done in either six or seven. Uh, that's that's who I'm taking. I think the Dodgers are the better team from one to twenty-five. Again, Roberts. Has a couple decisions to make of who to play. Sounds like he's 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 uh, getting gone gone away from Grandal at catcher, going towards Austin Barnes, which is a good move. And then obviously the other big moves for for Roberts is going to be the platoon situation he's got going on. You play Max Muncy against a left-hander. Sounds like they're going to probably keep Bellinger in the game as a leadoff hitter. That that work that seemed to work out well today in Game Five. So. We'll be interested to see how games uh, six and seven go in Milwaukee. You got, again, you got uh, Clayton Kershaw pitched a gem today in game five. I'm sure he'll be available in game seven to pitch an inning or two in relief if need be. 
So, again, it'll be very interesting to see how Milwaukee plays this. Their bullpen's been exposed a little bit. They've been probably overused. The Dodgers have seen a lot of lot of bullpen, uh, a lot of these guys in the bullpen multiple times, which obviously get becomes an advantage for the hitter when you've seen the bullpen guys multiple days in a row. But the wild card for Milwaukee is going to be Josh Hader. He's definitely going to be available for game six to pitch two to three innings, uh, especially if they've got the lead. So that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. In the American League, you got Houston and Baltimore, or Houston and Boston playing. In they're playing uh, game five, game actually playing game four as we speak. Red Sox are up in the seventh inning, um, late in the game here. Nobody, not many people expected Boston to be up two games to one. The Red Sox had a very quality win in game two. Nice comeback. They roughed up Garrett Cole a little bit. Jackie Bradley was the hero game two and game three. Jackie Bradley was also the hero. He hit a grand slam in game three off of Zuna. Again, Nathan Eovaldi, another tremendous pitching performance. He's pitched twice. He's pitched great twice. It's, uh, again, this got unsung hero for the Red Sox. You got Chris Sale, who's kind of got a little bit of a stomach virus. He was supposed to pitch game five, but he's getting bumped back to game six. And I think that's because the Red Sox have a little bit of room for error here. So he's going to pitch game six back in Boston. You're going to see game seven. You're going to see Eovaldi if necessary. So it's going to be uh, pretty interesting to see if it gets back to a game seven. Again, huge. I mean, Boston is has played very well on the road. They're one. You know, their bullpen's been a little bit spotty, but actually, their bullpen has been better than the Houston bullpen, who's been a little bit of a, a disaster so far in this series. But it's starting pitching is the day here in this series. There's no. You're not going to see any bullpen days out of these two teams. They're going with their starters as long as they can. And then they're, both teams got excellent hitting teams. The bullpens for both teams are a little spotty. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as we get later in the series. But, <clears throat> again, I picked Boston to win before the series started, and I'm going to stick with that. I just think Boston has been continuously being disrespected throughout the playoffs for the team that's won the most games in Major League Baseball. They're getting zero respect, and everybody thinks they're going to go down. I think they're going to beat Houston. I think it's going to be a Boston-LA World Series, which would be great news for Fox, who, who's going to love that. So, uh, two exciting championship series so far. Some drama, lots of close games. Uh, you've got a lot of strikeouts. You got a lot of home runs. So that's that. that those are you know the new era, That's the new age of baseball. There's not a lot of bunting going on. Not a lot of moving the runners over. And that really cost, for example, moving the inability to move the runners over really cost Milwaukee in that 13 inning game against the Dodgers. There was a couple opportunities they had to get they had to get men on second base with less than two outs and couldn't get them over to third. So details, the little the small things are going to be the things that are going to win these games uh, for these teams. Most of these teams are pretty evenly matched. It's going to be the which unsung guy off comes off the bench with a big hit, which un, unsung guy. You know, who's a starter, who's hitting seventh or eighth in the lineup, comes up with a big hit, and which bullpen can shut the door in the pressurized situation. So by the time we talk next week, we'll be we'll have our World Series matchup. Uh, my prediction, again, is going to be Boston 
LA World Series 2018. On to the college football world where last week was a there was a plethora of upsets. Major teams in the top 10 took it in the shorts. Georgia goes to Baton Rouge, CBS 330 and gets manhandled by Big Ed Orgeron and Joe Burrow and the Tigers. Very surprising outcome, not necessarily that LSU won, but in the fashion that they won and in the, the, the way they handled Georgia relatively with relative ease. Won the game 36-16, by the way, an incredible bad beat if you were involved in the over-under in that game. As that game was 16 to 13 to 3 midway through the third quarter, over under a 51, and that game just blows up in the last quarter and a half to hit 52. High, high, high. Another upset. West Virginia goes down at Iowa State. The Cyclones do it again. They are giant killers when they're playing top 10 teams at home. That guy for Iowa State will be coaching a big program in the next two years. You can mark that down. That guy has beaten two or three teams in the last three, two, two to three years at home, top ten teams. That guy will be at a major program within two years. Book that. Washington goes down in Autzen against the Ducks overtime special. Washington kicker misses a 37-yard field goal at the gun to win it in regulation and then get held to a field goal in overtime and then the Ducks knock it knock it in, punch it in, and OT to win to pull the upset and keep their slim championship hopes alive, but I think they're still in it. Washington's out pretty much with two losses now, so the Pac-12's probably only hope is probably going to be Oregon to get a potential playoff spot. Big win for the Ducks. Mario Cristobal in his first year out there. Got got a probably got the number one quarterback in the draft coming out. Justin Herbert played very well. Oregon, one loss Oregon still has a has has a little bit of breathing, uh is still got a little bit of a pulse as it relates to the playoff. Penn State takes a takes a dive. Gets beat by Michigan State in Happy Valley. That's their second loss. Penn State's out, surprising. Michigan State, who's been a little bit of an underachiever this year, go to Happy Valley, score late in the game to win. You got other big news. Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback Alabama, two weeks in a row now, has left the game with a little bit of an injury. This one's a little bit more concerning, that it was a non-contact kind of injury to his knee. When he was sliding, so it'll be interesting to see how 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 Saban and the Tide handle handle his playing time the next couple weeks. They have a game this week against Tennessee, in a game they should win pretty handily. Got an off week, and then they go to then they go to Baton Rouge, prime time, eight o'clock, CBS, November the third, major showdown, probably for the SEC West title. And that's going to probably lock up. Uh, obviously, if Bama wins that game, they're going to lock up the West. But uh, Tua play, still playing tremendous football. They destroyed Missouri this last week. But again, Tua's got to be healthy for Bama to be a national championship contender. 
Don't think they can win the title with Hurts, but they can definitely. They'll def, they'll definitely be the overwhelming favorite if Tua stays healthy. The defense is a little bit vulnerable, not overly, but they're not as dominant as they've been. They're definitely an offense, way more of an offensive team than they've been ever when two is under center. Hurts is getting plenty of playing times, which that'll help him in the event he ever has to play any substantial minutes in a big game, in the you know the LSU game, SEC championship game, or potentially a playoff game. So. Teams on the rise. I think we, we got. I'm going to list off a handful of teams. There's probably eight to nine teams that still control their own destiny to to, to make the playoffs. So you have probably in in no particular order. You have Michigan. You have Notre Dame. You have Texas. You have LSU. You have Florida. You have Alabama. You have Ohio State. You have Clemson. You have Notre Dame. And you probably have Georgia, or probably those are the that's probably the handful of teams that control their own destiny. That if they win the rest of their games, they're gonna one knock other some of these other teams on that list out. And two, again, if you win the rest of those games, they're gonna be in a position to, to, to be in the playoff. You know, you're gonna have the Michigan, Ohio State situation resolve itself either at, either before the end of the season or during the last regular season game when they play. You have Notre Dame, a little bit underwhelming this week against Pitt, but they got they, they, they got it done. They've got pretty much one more roadblock at USC at the end, but they'll be favored in every game they play, but they, they don't have any room for error. If they win the rest of them, they'll be in. You have Texas. That's, Texas is going to be an interesting interesting team. If they can win the rest of their games, are they going to have enough oomph to, to, to get into the playoff? I think they will. I think if they run the table and win the Big 12, they're going to be in the playoff. You have LSU, one loss LSU. Still have Alabama on the schedule. Still have Mississippi State on the schedule. Still have Auburn, uh, excuse me, Alabama and Mississippi State. So we'll still have an opportunity to play the SEC championship game. So if LSU wins the rest of their games, they'll probably, they, they potentially could knock Alabama out and knock out Georgia potentially. Florida's still in the mix in the East. Again, they've got a huge showdown with Georgia in two weeks. That's probably that's going to be an elimination game. The loser of that game will be out as far as a national championship hopes. Um, in a playoff position. So that, that that's an opportunity for them. Ohio State's still in the mix, undefeated, number two in the country. They've got a couple games left on the schedule. They got Michigan, and they've also got the Big Ten championship game. You got Alabama, which is the odds-on favorite. They've still got Auburn. They've still got LSU. They've still got a SEC championship game to navigate through. Potentially Georgia there. You got Clemson. Clemson has no room for error. The ACC is very down this year. Clemson cannot afford a loss. They've got a tough, decent. Uh, test against NC State this week, but they'll have to they'll have to run the table in a very suspect ACC this year. We'll probably have to face possibly a Miami in the championship game, maybe Virginia Tech. So you have again teams that control their own destiny. Probably a, probably nine to ten teams still are in the mix. Wild card teams. Two teams I'm going to give you as wild cards: South Florida and Central Florida. Central both are undefeated. 
Both are in the same conference in the AAC. They have a potential week 11, week 12 showdown in Tampa. Where the, if they're both undefeated, they'll both most likely be in the top 10 by then. Will definitely be a game that the playoff committee will have to take it take a, a strong look at. If either one of those teams are eleven or twelve and zero, there's going to be a major talking talking points and debate in that playoff committee room about keeping out a team from the power a non power five conference that's undefeated out of the playoffs. If you remember, Central Florida was kept out last year. A little bit of controversy, but it'll even be more controversy this year if they go 12-0 again and are left out. South Florida, same situation. They've still got some tough games on the, on the schedule. They've got two or three good tests left in the AAC, Cincinnati, Houston, Central Florida. If Charlie Strong can get it done and win, win, win them all, it'll be a, very, very, a pretty decent argument South Florida will have to, to, to be a serious contender. Again, my plan, my my thought is the playoff ought to be expanded to six teams. That way you can take the power you can potentially take all the power five champions as well as a wild card team. And that may be a second team from a conference. That may be a team from a non power five conference like a South Central Florida, South Florida, Boise State, those kind of teams that have historically had great years but just don't get the opportunity to play the tough schedule that gives them the, the strength of schedule. So, very interesting game looming. Central Florida traveling to South Florida in Tampa late November. I believe it's Thanksgiving weekend. It's at Ray J. It will be a tremendous atmosphere. I'm, I will definitely be in attendance if that game is a double. If both teams are undefeated going into that game, that'll be a national TV game 100%. Uh, that'll be an ABC game, no doubt about it. Big crowd, it'll be a monster crowd, it'll be sold out. Both programs don't like each other a whole lot. It's a, it's a rivalry program here in, in the state of Florida. Both of them have quality programs, quality coaches, have had uh, very good success in the last several years. So I'm hoping for a UCF-USF showdown week 12, both undefeated, but we'll see. This is a pretty pretty soft sketch, pretty soft week in the scheduling. There's only about there's only four games that I deem to be even you know uh, worthy of talking about this week that have a little bit of uh, playoff implications. First, you got Michigan Mich- at Michigan State. That that's definitely will be a tricky game, ro- huge rivalry game. Harbaugh, D'Antonio don't like each other. Harbaugh coming off a big win against Wisconsin last week. Trying to put it all together. I like this Michigan team. This Michigan team has got a great defense. They're in the top three or four in the country in numerous defensive categories. You've got the Michigan offense is coming on. It's not prolific, but it's it is coming. They got a pretty decent running game. The quarterback's playing better. Hardball calling plays. It's a little bit of a conservative offense. They're going to play close to the vest. Lean on the defense to win the game. Got a good special, got a good kicker at Michigan. So it's going to be an interesting game up in East Lansing. You got Mississippi State traveling to Baton Rouge to see the Bengals, the Bayou Bengals, LSU. LSU coming off the emotional win against Georgia. Mississippi State's a good ball team. 
showed some uh, guts in beating Auburn a couple weeks ago. So I think that'll be a pretty good ball game in the SEC. Again, must win for LSU to keep their, their title hopes alive. Mississippi State's a, a dangerous team under first-year coach Joe Moorhead, who came from Penn State. ACC class, you got NC State traveling to Death Valley to see Clemson. Both are ranked in the top 15, NC State. Good quarterback. They've got a future pro quarterback, Ryan Finley at NC State, traveling to see Clemson, who's got a tremendous defensive line. Trevor Lawrence is, is the true freshman quarterback leading Clemson. They've been a little sporadic on offense, played pretty well the last couple weeks. So if Clemson's going to do it, this is the kind of game they got they got to make a statement. You don't want to be winning this game by three points. That's not going to be a good uh, omen for the committee, the playoff committee. So look for Clemson. I think Clemson gets it done. But look for Clemson to try to turn turn on the after, after Jets in the next several weeks. Um, and then out west, you got one big game. You have a, a sneaky, a sneaky good game between Oregon State, Washington State, Oregon. Excuse me, not Oregon State, Oregon. The Ducks. Shout out to my girl Martha up in Birmingham, who's the biggest Duck fan I know. So shout out to you, Martha, for your Ducks getting it done against the Huskies last week. They travel up to the Palouse. One Mike. My man Mike leading the Cougs. Mike Leach leading the Cougs up in the Palouse. The Cougs are going to try to drop a par 72 on the Ducks. Should be a very good game up there. Typically, it'll probably look, look for some nasty weather up in the Palouse. Usually, mid-October starts to get a little chilly up there, a little weather. Be interesting game. Oregon going to the Palouse to see the Cougs. My prediction, Michigan wins at Michigan State. LSU gets it done against Mississippi State. Clemson will hold serve at home. And I think Oregon is going to find a way in a squeaker down to the wire, is going to find a way to get it done at the Palouse. Mario Cristobal going to keep his title hopes alive. He and Justin Herbert as we head to the Palouse. Again, want to mention our sponsors. You're listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Our sponsors are the Running Center, Power Stories Theater, Five Star Athletics, Patrick Hyland, the insurance quarterback, Sam Jenkins Designs. So check out our sponsors. Also give you a shout out. My man, me and Patrick Hyland, the insurance quarterback, we're hosting a Sunday morning radio show. 11 a.m. to 12 12 p.m. on 1380 The Biz AM station here in Tampa. We're talking pro football, college football, recap of the games, talk a little fantasy. We'll make a couple predictions against the number for some of these NFL games on Sunday. So check us out Sunday morning, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time, AM 1380 The Biz Give us a call. You can call in. We got a call in number. Check us out. I'll post the call in number on the Facebook on our, my Facebook page Sunday morning. Toll free eight hundred number. Love to hear from you. 
Now, on to the National Football League. NFL, another exciting week in the NFL, week six. Lots of good games. We had some drama. Probably had the game of the year this last Sunday night, which lived up to all the hype. Kansas City going to New England, tremendous finish. 43-40 Patriots get it done. Tom Brady once again, fourth quarter comeback. Last two-minute drive, milks the clock, plays the clock perfectly, kicks a game winner, last play of the game, Steven Goskowski, Belichick, Brady, Foxborough, the Patriot rules continue to hold form. Mahomes and the Chiefs got off to a played pretty well. Problem is, when you go to Foxborough, you can't kick field goals and you can't turn the ball over. Kansas City kicked three field goals in the first half, turned the ball over twice. We're down 24-9, made a tremendous comeback in the second half, played very, very well in the second half. Mahomes was on fire, threw four touchdowns in the second half, two long ones, one to Kareem Hunt, one to Tyreek Hill. Threw a, was down 40-33 to with... Three, three and a half minutes to go through a 75-yard touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. Interesting, if you watch Tom Brady after the game, he's on the sidelines rooting for Tyreek Hill to go score to leave him more time because he knew that Kansas City defense just couldn't stop the New England offense. The New England offense was very balanced on Sunday. Sony Michelle, Edelman, Josh Gordon got some touches. Chris Hogan got some touches. Gronk was pretty neutralized to the last drive. Then he caught two big passes on the last drive to set up the field goal. I mean, the New England offense is just devastating at Foxborough. Josh McDaniels called a great game, dialed it up. You know, wheel routes, underneath crossing routes, good running game. Again, the Kansas City defense is just a sieve. They definitely have to make some move, a, move, a move or two on defense prior to the trade deadline. You know, speculation is Patrick Peterson might be available from the Arizona Cardinals. Kansas City had bet, desperately needs some help on the defensive side of the ball. Eric Berry's been out for a while. Justin Houston's been out. Uh, but they got a championship offense. They just they just have a below average defense, and they only need to be average to be competitive. But once again. We continue to to underestimate the Patriots. We we prematurely call for their demise. They just figure out, oh man, they they're just the best coached, best situational, best team that deals with the situational aspects of football better than anybody else. It's unbelievable how well they play in situational football. They have the talent level on their team is not the best in the league by any means, especially on defense. You know, offensively, they figure out a way never to get Tom Brady hit. He never gets, he never takes a beating, which is unbelievable. You know, the linemen, you, you, you've never heard of three quarters of the, of the offensive linemen. You know, you got Edelman, you got Josh Gordon, you're getting him into the, integrated into the offense, Gronkowski. To me, the key to this team is going to be the continued play of Sony Michelle, first round draft pick out of Georgia at running back. He's just he's he is rapidly developing into a high quality player. You got James White, who's probably the best out of the backfield pass receiving running back in the league. They just figure out ways after ways after ways to get that guy open. 
and he is a matchup nightmare week in week out in the or no matter who they're playing linebackers safeties just can't cover that guy and then you got the play calling and you got the scheme of, of McDaniels and, and Belichick man it's just in in and last but not least, the guy's 41 years old. The guy's the, in my opinion, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Freaking Tom Brady just continues to get it done week after week after week after week. Whether he needs to score 40, 34, however many he needs to score, he figures out a way to get it done, man. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, another great game in Cincinnati. Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown in the last 15 seconds of the game. For the game-winning touchdown, went right down to the wire. Great drive by Pittsburgh. Again, the big question is, following this game, is Le'Veon Bell coming back? Pittsburgh's on a bye this week, so doesn't sound like he's coming back this week. But the question is, will he, will he be back for in Week 8? Um, James Conner, another huge game for, for him at running back for the Steelers. I think you need to get rid of trade, trade Le'Veon Bell. Get whatever you can get for the guy. Third-round draft pick. Connor can get it done for you. They're not, you know, he's not Le'Veon Bell, but he's pretty darn good. And that if 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 you can get what you've been getting out of Connor most weeks, Pittsburgh's gonna be just fine on offense. They're not gonna not advance because of the offense. It's gonna be because of their defensive uh liabilities. It will be the reason why Pittsburgh doesn't advance deep in the playoffs. They have plenty of offense. Roethlisberger's playing great. Antonio Brown's in the mix. Schuster's in the mix, got good quality tight ends. You got James Conner. Offense will not be the problem and be the reason why Pittsburgh doesn't get it done. Cincinnati just can't beat Pittsburgh for whatever reason. You know, you got Vontez Burfick, that clown, continues to act like a clown. Another couple of suspect cheap shots towards Antonio Brown. Going to get fined, potentially suspended. Um... Cincinnati's a good team, though. Got to give them credit. They're a good team. Marvin Lewis didn't think he had another good year in them. Dalton's playing very well. A.J. Green's playing well. The Joe Mixon's uh, turning into a pretty legit running back. The defense is okay, but they just cannot beat the Pittsburgh Steelers for some reason. Aaron Rodgers, Monday Night Football, Monday Night Miracle. If you watch that game Monday night, you said, man, I mean, this guy is – not the best quarterback of all time, but the best talent of all time. He's the best arm talent that I've ever seen. Quarterback position can make any throw, touch, over defenders, perfect spots, back shoulder throws, under duress, sidearm, three quarters, over the top. He just made some throws that on Monday night that were just incredible. Um, the vision, the ability to navigate through the pocket, uncanny. He brings them back from from the from the uh, from the dead. They score thirty to thirty. Got their ball in their own ten yard line with a minute to go. I thought they were just going to run the clock out to get to overtime because they had no timeouts. But no, Rogers engineers another drive. Mason Crosby redeemed himself, kicks four field goals, including the game winner. Final thirty three thirty Green Bay Lambeau Monday night tremendous finish. And the San Francisco 49ers, man, these guys are just just snake bit, snake bit, and snake bit. Garoppolo goes down with a knee injury. C.J. Beathard comes in and plays well, but they just find a way to lose. And it's just one of those situations for these first couple years for Shanahan, John Lynch, and that and that uh, 
in that group out in San Fran. Just just terrible luck. They got a good team. They got some good players, but they just had terrible luck, especially with Garoppolo going down. Um, but I do expect San Fran. I think I think Shanahan's a good coach. I think they're doing good things in San Francisco. It's just got to keep keep people healthy. Those were the again. Those were the good recaps from the games last week. You got uh, again team that had to have a must-win team was uh, Atlanta. They got it done versus Tampa. The Cowboys destroyed the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were in some disarray on defense. Blake Bortles played terrible again. Just not a believer in Bortles as a long-term answer to lead your team to the promised land. You know, the only way that team's going to advance is because of the defense. Uh, Bortles is just struggling to put it together consistently. Week in, week out, the guy just cannot put it together. He'll have a game every three or four games where you'll think, man, he's turned the corner, but then he'll have two duds like he's had the last two weeks, played terrible, not even competitive on offense. Not even competitive. So, last thing we'll talk about is a couple coaches on the hot seat potentially. Dirk Cutter in Tampa. If you didn't see, Dirk uh, re- released his uh, relieved Mike Smith of his defensive coordinator duties here in Tampa on Monday after another abysmal defensive performance in Atlanta, where the Bucks lose another shootout. They're, they're giving up 35 points a game, which is just unacceptable. The offense is playing very well. Yeah, I got to get Jameis Winston played pretty well last Sunday, two interceptions, but he did throw for 400, basically almost 400 yards and four touchdowns. The offense is not the issue in Tampa. Plenty of good players, good scheme. Quarterback's playing well. Play calling's good. But the defense has just got to get better. You know, they promoted Mark Duffner, the linebacker's coach, to the D.C. position. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Typically, you see a little bit of a bump that first week or two after a new D.C. is named. I do expect them to get it done this week against Cleveland. You also have... Not on the hot seat, but somebody who's obviously struggling mightily. And that's John Gruden. The Raiders went to London and got hammered by Seattle 27-3 to going into their bye week. Very dubious. Very, you know, just very disappointing performance. That's the first, guy, first game they've really been non-competitive. They'd been pretty competitive the first five weeks of the season. But this, this week just got, just got hammered. Derek Carr doesn't seem to be meshing very well with Gruden so far. Has had a couple good games, but he's also had two or three pretty pretty uh, mediocre games. The defense is terrible in Oakland. Obviously, you got the, the situation with the Khalil Mack trade happening early in the season. Definitely going to be a rebuilding year in Oakland. Probably would anticipate a 5-11 and type of campaign in Oakland at best. And they'll definitely be drafting high in the draft. The other, the other coach that kind of was on the hot seat with Jason Garrett from Dallas. But again, big win against the Jags. Big test this week going to Washington, a huge rivalry game in going to Washington to see the Redskins. He's a, he's a guy that's kind of been speculated that's on the that's on the on the hot seat a little bit. So we'll see how the Cowboys play. Played very well last Sunday against Jacksonville. Great running game with Dak and Zeke Elliott. Defense is playing pretty well. Again, heading to Washington, the Redskins had a big win against Carolina. Adrian Peterson continuing to play pretty well at running back. Alex Smith managing the game. Dallas 3-0 at home, 0-3 on the road. Trick, you know, 
huge NFC East uh, battle. So it'll be interesting to see how Garrett handles that. Again, three Gruden's not on the hot seat, but the two coaches that, that are probably on the hottest seat right now is probably Dirk Cutter, and then you got Jason Garrett. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy could be potentially on the hot seat. I could, I, I could, I definitely can envision a change in Green Bay. They're not playing incredibly well. Um, been very mediocre the last year and a half, two years. So it'd be interesting to see how Green Bay uh, moves along in the season. And if they don't make the playoffs, I definitely could see a coaching change there. I think in the uh, NFC West, you probably don't have anybody in any trouble over there. A couple new, you got a new coach in Arizona. AFC East, you got Miami playing pretty well, four and two. Pulled a big upset over Chicago, beat with Brock Osweiler at the helm. Uh, Buffalo, that's turning into a little bit of a dumpster fire. They almost beat the uh, Houston Texans last week. Josh Allen got injured. Peterman throws a late pick to allow Houston to win that game. The Jets are playing okay, 3-3. Three and three. Darnold playing pretty well. AFC North, you got Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh all playing pretty well now. And then you got Cleveland, who laid an egg last week against San Diego, or against Los Angeles, excuse me. Hugh Jackson could be in some trouble if that thing turned, if that team, that, that record continues to go down. I don't like their chances going to Tampa this week. I think Tampa's going to get it done at home. So, again, Hugh Jackson would be another name you could add to that list. AFC South, you got Tennessee, Houston, uh, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville. I don't think anybody's in any trouble there. And then you got the AFC West with San Diego, you got Oakland, you got Kansas City, and you got Denver. Denver, Vance Joseph. I would not be making any long term plans in Denver, my man, Mr. Vance. That situation could get ugly in a hurry in Denver. They're struggling. Case Keenum doesn't seem to be the answer in Denver. Don't be surprised if you see Chad Kelly, Jim Kelly's nephew, get an opportunity here in the next week or so. Um, they lost another game on Sunday to the Rams. We're fairly competitive, but the offense is just not playing very well. I would, uh, would not be surprised if there was a coaching change in Denver this year. I don't anticipate them being any kind of playoff contender. I would expect a 6-10 and 10 kind of year in Denver. So the silly season of coaching, starting the, the speculation starting to heat up a little bit, both on the college and the pro circuit, and we'll definitely keep you updated as we move along throughout the rest of the remaining part of the football season. So another good episode of Powers on Sports in the books. Let's make a couple of predictions this week on the in the in the NFL games. We're gonna take uh, we got New England going to Chicago. That'll be a good game. You got Carolina going to Philadelphia. That could be a pretty good game. Sunday night game that's been flexed to Sunday night. You'll see Kansas City two weeks in a row on Sunday night hosting the Bengals. That'll be a potentially good game. Minnesota heading to the Jets will be a good game. Four o'clock window. The New Orleans Saints coming off a bye head to Baltimore, which Baltimore had 11 sacks last week against Tennessee. Geez, Tennessee is ridiculously bad on offense, too. Marcus Mariota just not showing that uh, progression you would have hoped to have seen in year four. Will be very interesting to see what they do with Mariota in Tennessee following this year. Um, and you got the Cowboys heading, the Cowboys, the Cowboys heading to D.C. to see 
my man HK's Redskins, your boy Daniel Snyder and the Little General, Jay Gruden and the Redskins hosting the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, Jason Garrett. And you got Monday night, you got the Giants heading to Atlanta. That could be a two teams that were supposed to be in the mix. Both teams underachieving dramatically. Odell Beckham running continues to run his mouth. The owner of the, of the Giants finally finally made a statement saying, "Hey, let's let's play let's play more, talk less." Oh, and speaking of talking, talking, I don't want to hear any more dribble out of the Jacksonville Jaguars and especially Jalen Ramsey. What a bush league move that guy pulled last week, getting questioned after the game. What's wrong with the defense? What's going on? Getting you guys are getting lit up. And he's just a total mute. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. And this is the same guy two weeks ago just running his mouth, talking about Tyreek Hill ain't this. This receiver ain't that. Just likes to run his mouth, be a front runner. But when it goes the other way, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Shut your mouth, Jalen Ramsey. All right. Have a great week, everybody. I'm off to Friday night. I'll be heading to Brandon High School to see the Brandon Eagles and the Armwood Hawks. So looking forward to that. High school season is rapidly winding down here in Tampa. Got a couple weeks left of the high school season. We're, we've got about five weeks left in the college season, and we're getting to the meat of the NFL season. World Series will be starting the, uh, next weekend. My prediction is L.A. and the Boston Red Sox will be in the World Series. So we'll be glad to talk about that matchup coming next week on our next episode. Again, thanks for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Tell a friend, and we'll see you next week. Win a win a chicken dinner. <laughs>